0: Hello and welcome to the Digital Insight, the technology, procurement, and supply chain podcast that delivers valuable C level perspective into the core issues surrounding business transformation and digital disruption. Each episode will bring you the most inspiring executive insights from those who are leading transformation strategies within the world's biggest and best known companies. The Digital Insight Disrupt, Transform, Evolve. Welcome to the Digital Insight the official podcast series for CPO Strategy and Interface magazines. My name is Nell, and today I'll be chatting with Marius Geldikas, CEO of ConnectPay, a digital banking alternative for online-focused businesses. Marius and I will be discussing why digital finance is in such a vulnerable yet powerful position right now, and what its future holds. So welcome, Marius, to the Digital Insight podcast. Um, today we're going to be talking about digital banking, particularly how COVID nineteen has impacted that industry, which it has done in some quite serious ways, um, from what I can see. Uh, so first, it would be really great if you could tell me a little about your background and your role within ConnectPay as well.
1: Yes, thank you for having me. Uh, sure. Uh, I I originally come from the uh, area or field of technology. I'm a physicist. Always have been marveled by engineering and technology and digital technology specifically. Um, and, you know, as, as I uh, went through my career throughout the years, at some point in time, I shifted into products and then shifted into uh, fintech, which was very exciting to me because fintech is really all it is. It's it's people and technology. Uh, two things that that make up that business. So good people that understand uh, regulation, understand the the business and and understand technology. Uh, I am now the CEO of ConnectPay.
0: Well, I wanted to kind of dive a little bit more into, like you said, fintech is really interesting. Um, And I read some data recently, which said that cyber attacks on financial institutions, especially traditional financial institutions, has had a massive spike um, during the lockdown period between February and April. So I wondered if, if you had any insight on why that's happened and how cybersecurity has adapted to adjust to that.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think the main reason of why it happened um, is is actually at, at the core of, of the pandemic, which means that, you know, pandemic means people are locked up at home uh, and so you end up with uh, um, much more users of digital financial services than there usually are, right? So cash is, is unusable at this time when you're locked up. So, um, so you have a lot of uh, new customers in the digital um, finance, uh, which some of them are, you know, um, are tech savvy and and others are not, you know, there's a lot of people that never used digital financial services and now, now they must, so you have this Influx of of customers into the market. That's number one. Number two, you know, governments reacted and you had these stimulus programs uh, released, which means there's a lot of funds, uh, you know, being distributed through different programs, and many of those those funds are meant for um, you know for relieving the the consequences of, of of joblessness and so on and so forth. So you have a lot of uh, new funds moving around and because all of it is happening in the digital finance area, uh, I think uh, that, that stirred up the whole fraudster community. And so, you know, fraudsters are working hard now to uh, try and, and, and use the situation to, to, you know, to steal uh, funds from people, which uh, results in, in the um, information security, you know, threats and cyber attacks. Cyber attacks are means of achieving the goals for fraudsters so i think all of that boils down to to the to the basis of what what the pandemic makes people do sit at home and use financial services online
0: so how 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 has that been combated how what's been the reaction to that
1: so i think it's a very big challenge uh yeah it's twofold number one is obviously all of the um, financial services providers that already operate online—they they have their assets online, they have the required technology, and so on and so forth. Uh, could that have been changed uh, so fast? No. I mean, information se- technology requires um, information security. Specifically, requires you know a lot of work and and insights, and and it's a long lengthy process to deploy specific tools. To combat that, so I th- I don't think much has changed. I think a realization came that this is now a very important area. Fraud prevention is now a very important area. So, from the perspective of 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 customers, um, it's just the realization that the companies were able to to come up with right and maybe focus some resources to 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 strengthen the fraud controls. On the other hand, you know, there's uh, w- what is another big risk is that employees. Are also you know of these financial institutions they were they had to go home and start working from home so many of the companies especially older banks uh, you know uh, could have issues or could have had issues um, and will continue to have uh, because people are working from home which exposes the entire organization to much more risk Uh, so i think the there's there has been a lot of development in the companies that i've seen Um, in terms of combating that risk, so employee related risk, right? How do you secure that? You know, your, your employees that are managing funds and managing customer information and so on and so forth can securely work from home. So that, that is the area where I did see specific actions being taken by companies, but on the, on the customer front, not so much. It it will take more time.
0: Yeah. I guess it's just been more of a case of being vigilant and just being aware that that's going to be an issue. That's more prevalent than usual.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: So as well as um, as well as that increased awareness, what have been some of the digital banking trends since the emergence of the pandemic? How have people changed the way they handle money? You mentioned there that you know we're not using cash really at the moment, um, and that's that's obviously a major change. Is there anything else? Any other specific changes that you've seen?
1: Yes, and I think those. So yeah, so the the sort of. Um, uh stride towards a cashless society that that has obviously been accelerated uh <laughs> forcefully uh been forced onto people um you know, some people some you know some countries and, and some companies will do better than others but i think um majority of the change is is yet to come because you know the, the pandemic will result in economic hardship and economic hardship will result in uh in changes in innovation just like we had you know the previous, uh, like 2008 uh, crisis, right? That gave the birth to Bitcoin, uh, crowdfunding, sharing economies. All of that was was uh, was a, an outcome of the economic crisis, of the financial crisis. Um, and I think we will uh, see something come up that we cannot even imagine right now. Uh, What is the driver for those changes, right? Previously in 2008, what we had was uh, there was a huge loss in trust towards financial institutions, right? So the financial sector was the reason behind behind the crash. And so trust was lost. And so all of these instruments, right? Crowdfunding, sharing economy, uh, blockchain technology, all of those were targeted specifically at, hey, you know, we don't trust financial institutions anymore. How can we what can we do to yeah, exclude them from the economy altogether. So, what will happen now? I think will be the same. Uh, the same in the aspect. I mean, depending on 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 the size of of the downturn of the economy. Uh, you know, I've I've been hearing that you know the Western, um, uh, the developed uh, you know markets, uh, the Western European countries have been hit very hard by um, uh, financially by by the pandemic. Uh, this will continue. The, there will be financial problems. Uh, it's different because uh, you know previously there was everybody lost jobs and so on and so forth, and and salaries went down and income went down. Now it's it's a bit different, uh, different aspects to 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 how how the hardship, uh, what the hardship will be like. Um, but it will still, I think. I mean, I'm going around in circles, but it will it will result into something that I cannot. <laughs> um, I cannot come up with right now right i don't i don't know i'm sure we should be on the lookout of what will be the repercussions of the financial uh hardship that we're about to Mm -hmm. encounter and it will give birth to to some new ideas and new technologies
0: yeah i imagine so because i feel like at a time when people are very aware of their finances a lot of people having lost their jobs or at least lost part of their income that um, I, I know from personal experience that people are relying on things like the financial apps that you have that just uh, keep on top of what money you're spending and they tuck a little bit away every month to make sure you're saving. Things like that, um, that I feel like that's the kind of element that will continue to evolve and um, and continue to be something that people really rely on. Um, and that, that, that will keep, reinforce some trust in... Uh, in the digital side of financial um, management
1: uh, yes, um, yeah, absolutely, but again um, like it it will depend on how the uh, financial sector will handle um, uh, the fraud situation right the, like for example, the cybersecurity threats that we 're facing right now, so um, you know it's it 's easier for uh, smaller and more nimble fintechs to adapt. Uh, to new environments, uh, it's harder for um, for the big banks to adapt to, to the new environments, meaning the, the whole, you know, the lockdown and, and you know, more users, uh, more funds being thrown around and more fraud. So as a result of that, of that fraud, what could happen is, you know, if let's say, you know, financial institutions or fintechs do not manage to protect their customers. Uh, uh, It could mean while the banks do manage to protect their customers and their consumer uh, funds and money, uh, what might happen is, you know, the small fintechs might lose trust. uh, And that could be, uh, you know, a very big problem for the development of of this industry altogether. Uh, But it could be the other way around, right? Maybe the banks, you know, uh, do not protect their consumers as well as fintechs then it will be the other way around. So it's all, you know, it it all needs to play out still uh, to see what's going to happen.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's difficult to predict it at this point. Um, So, so what do you, we touched on the cashless society earlier, but what are your thoughts on a cashless society? And if, if you do think it's inevitable, what are the barriers
1: there? I, I do think uh, it's inevitable. I think the the entire world is going towards a cashless society uh, at different speeds, um, but uh, like, for example, the Nordics, the Nordic countries are uh, the biggest cashless societies in the world, or, you know, they have uh, the most transactions and payments being done um, via digital instruments, whereas other countries, you know, UK is about what five years probably behind the Nordics uh, US. Still, cash is very important. People love cash in the States. So they're about 10 years probably behind the Nordics. However, the direction, I think it's the same. It's it's all going towards cashless. There, there, the reasons for it, um, obviously, internet penetration, mobile phone penetration, uh, those are the, the key factors towards how fast uh, will we get to cashless society and country by country. Uh, but also uh, what we need to understand is that cashless society also sort of puts a strain on the, soci- on, on, on the society as a general because, um, you know, uh, elderly uh, people might be uh, excluded uh, from this market or might have trouble or problems adapting to the cashless environment. I think, I think it's going in the same direction at different speeds. Sometime we will all be there
0: yes there's certainly a generational element to it because when i go to when i go to any shop or anybody my age goes to a shop i just assume that they take card and i'm very surprised when there are occasionally places that that don't and that they take cash and that seems very strange to me now but i know that you know my my dad and my grandparents generation that's not the
1: case yes Uh, there is so like but there's another aspect right so yeah the the, the sort of the the push towards a cashless society is is driven by two things so one is the the new user or the new consumer so these are you know new people just take you know the the new generation for them uh funds or sending like for example my son right so he deals in Roblox <laughs> so which is a di- digital currency in in this game that he plays and it's very difficult to 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 draw a connection between you know real funds and real money, which is an outcome of work and effort, into you know how does that result into virtual currency? So for these people, the value, the money, um, in the digital area is 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 part of where they are and what they do online, right? It's, it should be as simple as social networks and messaging, sending a picture and whatnot. exchanging funds uh, should be the same. So. One driver is this this new generation that drive the digital economy and 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 the cashlessness, uh, because they live in the digital <laughs> world. Uh, the other part is the actual financial institutions. I think that that drive the cashless society, and but their reasoning is different. Their reasoning is uh, efficiency. They want to cost, co- cut costs. They don't want to you know have uh, uh, physical retail locations. Nobody wants to. Uh, you know, transport cash, count cash. Uh, there's, you know, fraud related to cash and 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 um, and fraudulent money and so on and so forth. So the financial institutions are driving it from another perspective. So I think we have two very strong drivers for for the cashless society. And as the young generation, you know, we get more and more of these X Y Z uh, generations. Uh, uh, <laughs> they uh, they will continue to to demand. Cashless, and eventually we'll get there.
0: Yes, and it is very much about that. You know, demand is what will drive those changes anyway. So that makes sense. Um, we talked. We talked about the fact that it's it's really hard to tell exactly what's going to happen post post COVID, whatever that means. But I wondered if you if you had any ideas on whether there'd be any uh, specific fintech developments created for you know for our digital banking future for the post-Covid future or if there are plans for anything that you know of
1: so yeah as as I mentioned I'm I'm not aware of any specific uh, dealings like the, I think everybody including us at connect pay what we focused on was hey you know we cannot work together in the office anymore we need to move and that immediately you know spikes the risk and how do we tackle this risk? How do we ensure people can work from home securely access to data and so on and so forth? So that was the the first sort of leap to uh, leap uh, and the first focus of of the devel- uh, development in terms of technology that that we did and and processing security and whatnot. Um, so I think that was done by everybody. And one of the things that that was discovered was um, and I think it was discovered and. You know by many participants of the market that i've been talking to is uh you know it's actually even maybe even more efficient <laughs> to allow people to work from home as as long as you control the risks so i think that's a that's a discovery that uh, uh that working from home is possible uh it's as efficient or even more efficient it is much more motivating to the people to work from home and so on and so forth so I, th- I think changes related to that how you work uh how you interact with your uh, you know, peers and, and your customers, and so on and so forth, while being on the go or, or being at home, that that will definitely uh, get attention from 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 funding, uh, from the perspective of developments in organizations, and from the perspective of maybe some new fintechs or new services that allow you to to facilitate that. Uh, so that's number one. Uh, number two, as I mentioned, I I don't I don't think the COVID itself will will have an impact uh but the aftermath of economic hardship will have an impact of what is 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 um uh, is the next thing uh in terms of technology being developed in fintechs uh that, i think that that's still tbd
0: but but finally really the, the the big question i suppose is is do you think it is it safe to say the digital banking and digital uh, financial services are, can no longer be, you know, thought of as a luxury but are a necessity at this point.
1: Absolutely. We see that, you know, the world is much more fragile than we thought. <laughs> uh, we we are forced, we, we are all forced to go online, work from home, uh, you know, not only work from home but also, you know, use, access our financial instruments from home, uh, shop online, uh, and, and so on and so forth, you know, get government funding and, and stimulus online without going anywhere and so on and so forth. It is a necessity. It is definitely not a luxury uh, and everybody will have to adapt to that. I just wish, I really, really wish there is, mm, uh, it's less painful, uh, as, as uh, it is, um, not as painful, uh, as it might be. Right for everybody to to transition. I just really hope people don't don't lose on their money. They don't get defrauded. They don't get uh, they don't lose their assets. Uh, I did see some information on the, on the dark dark web. So there's actually like they are actually selling um, like uh, uh, scam frameworks and scenarios or how-to's online in terms of how to scam or defraud one, you know, one surplus program or another. So it is very intense. It's, it's pretty much a war out there <laughs> right now.
0: And that's a big concern for, you know, you mentioned earlier on maybe older people or whoever doesn't have a lot of experience in uh, the digital side of finance then they are. That makes them susceptible to the risk of being defrauded like that.
1: Yes, especially the vulnerable people. Yes, the yeah. youngsters, they, they probably can handle. But yeah, the, the vulnerable people, that's that's going to be a challenge.
0: Thank you for listening to the Digital Insight Podcast in association with the interface.net and CPostrategy.com. The Digital Insight is brought to you by B2E Media Limited. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to subscribe, rate and review. And don't forget to check out our podcast archive at www.b2e-media.com forward slash the digital insight.